Bugle, audio newspaper for a visual world. Hello, Buglers, and welcome to issue 4076 of the Bugle, audio newspaper for a world whose total and utter resilience on the visual has become more and more visible as each millennium ticks by. <laughs> I am Andy Zaltzman, and I'm not a, a cabinet minister in the UK government yet, but it could be my lucky day, anytime. <laughs> Statistically, that is now likely to happen within the year, just by the laws of basic probability and the current, uh, and the current rate of governmental churn. And when I get into office, I'm going to lick this f***ing place into shape. This place being the UK, specifically as it happens. We are in the renowned city of London, where, disappointing news this, a record number of people escaped the Tower of London last year. <laughs> 2.843 million visitors, way up it must be said on its mid-second millennium celebrity hosting heyday, but the escape percentage hit a disastrous 100%. <laughs> Disappointing total of zero executions or mysterious disappearances uh, last year, the full 2.843 million managed to sneak out again before the Queen could so much as read the dodgy evidence and probably forge confessions. This country has gone to the dogs, uh, I blame Brexit. Or the snowflake generation, too sensitive to put their heads on the blocks and take a decent beheading like teenagers used to <laughs> happily do when this country was great. You did not get 16-year-old Lady Jane Grey whinging on Instagram about being executed on trumped-up treason charges as part of a politico-religious battle for the future of England, did you? She took her punishment. Did Catherine Howard, wife E of Henry VIII's FY... We're doing letters or numbers this week. Did she say, no way am I putting my head on that, that looks dangerous, and disliking it on spatula or whatever app young people use today? No. No, that's why we ruled the world 500 years. Um, give or take <laughs> apart from the brief 46 year hiatus when we graciously, graciously shared our brilliance with Europe which will end next year as we, bro- we reboot the unsinkable juggernaut that is HMS Britannia and lick this planet back into shape <laughs> I digress I am joined by a man who I'm delighted to say has never been executed for treason or adultery which enables him to be here with me in the studio today it's Nish Kumar hello Andy hello Buglers no zero executions for me so far yeah. Andy um, how are you? I'm, I'm, I'm well, thanks. I'm well. I'm having slight cricket withdrawal symptoms. Well, I was just about to say this. I've yeah. seen a lot of incredible things in my life, particularly in the last couple of years, Andy. I've seen the sunset behind the valley of the mountains of Sierra, the Sierra Madre. I've slept under the stars of the Australian outback. But I've also seen the concerned faces of a group of Peruvians as I shat on a mountain. But... <laughs> None of them quite compares with seeing Andy Zaltzman in his natural habitat, in the commentary box at Lords for the England India One Day. What what a sight, Andy! Yeah. It was absolutely. It was like I was like seeing a tiger in the Bengal jungle. <laughs> what dangerously endangered? There were very very few cricket statisticians in the wild these days. They've been hunted to the point of extinction. <laughs> Um, yeah, it's, uh, I mean, it's uh, a curse as much as a gift. Um, and uh, for the first time on the Bugle, all the way from the USA, coming to us live from Boston, Massachusetts, the city where it all started to go wrong for America, <laughs> back when they mistook a harbour for a teapot. It's for the first time on the Bugle, Alex Edelman. Hey, um, Nish, would you mind translating all of what you just said into baseball for me? <laughs> Uh, okay, uh, basically, uh, well, cricket, how do I explain this? It's for baseball for people who have a central nervous system. Uh, oh, oh, how dare you? How dare you? I have never been tried for uh, treason or sedition, but in a gig in Dublin once, I did once say it is good to be back in the UK. That's and, as close. That's, uh, I mean, that's as close as it I is. have. That is the yes. danger if you don't write any new material for nearly 100 years. <laughs> 
<laughs> I ran a similar risk when I uh, opened some shows in New York with that phrase. <laughs> <laughs> it is good to be. To, if you said it's going to be back in the UK, most Americans don't know what the UK is. So they'd be like, <laughs> all right, must be, must be the postcode here in lower Manhattan. <laughs> We are recording on the 20th of July, meaning that, uh, well, it's just coming up to the midsummer solstice for people who like to do things one month late. Uh, it's a good good, good pl- plan, really. Uh, gets some absolute bargains at Christmas. And also gets you some very strange looks when celebrating Holi, the Hindu festival of colour. Do be careful when smearing <laughs> unsuspecting passers-by with paint in mid-April. Uh, <laughs> on this day in 1885, uh, the Football Association legalised professionalism in association football. And, uh, I mean, that basically paved the way for players diving and getting tattoos, as far as I'm concerned. It's all been downhill ever since. <laughs> and in 1949, on this day, Israel and Syria signed a truce to end a 19-month war. Phew. I'm glad that little political hornet's <laughs> potato was sorted out once and for all way back then. And today <laughs> is International Chess Day. Oh, is it really? Yeah, it is. Yeah. A, a game I am notorious for describing as a way of encouraging slow tactical racism. <laughs> If I may briefly quote from my own material. (laughs) As always, some sections of the Bugle are going straight in the bin. Firstly, a summer holiday section. Now, obviously, Buglers, you will all be uh, using your summer holiday to quite literally flock to Edinburgh (laughs) to see the two live Bugle shows there on the 15th and 22nd of August. And or my show, Right Questions, Wrong Answers, 15th to the 26th, that's Dan 3. Maybe even popping in to see some of the various Bugle co-hosts also appearing at the Fringe, present company uh, included. But what if you're not doing that? Uh, Well, welcome to the Bugle Tourism Destination of the Year countdown. From tourist hotspot 10,000 all the way up to number one in uh, 2,000 <laughs> weekly instalments of five tourism destinations. At 10,000 this year on the Bugle must go to tourist hotspot list, cruising the Orontes River through war-torn Syria. At 9,999, an envirocation cleaning up toxic waste in an African port city. Or maybe you'd like to go for holiday 9,998. Teach yourself freelance journalism on a working holiday in Moscow. Maybe 9,997. Two weeks no expenses paid, sun, sea and sand in central Libya. And 33% off, by which I mean there's no sea. And 9,996 is pen pushing in Pyongyang, an immersive life experience holiday as part of the North Korean bureaucratic machine. Also in the bin, uh, we commemorate, as hinted at by Alex, uh, this day in 1969, when Apollo 11 landed on the moon in a sea of tranquility. Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin became the first humans to walk on the moon six and a half hours after it landed. (laughs) What the f*** happened in those six... That's an entire day of test cricket, excluding <laughs> lunch and tea breaks. What the f*** were they doing? Well, I think they wanted to be the first person to have a shit, a wank and a nap on the moon, Andy. That's certainly what I do when I move into any new property. <laughs> that is why you're banned There's from a- Airbnb. <laughs> <laughs> Just, don't, you don't need to say every... <laughs> There's a transcript of the six out, six and a half hours between the time they landed and the time they walked out, and it's just each each astronaut going, "No, me first. No, me first. No, me first. No, I go first. I'd like That's my turn. I'd like to know exactly what distraction trick Neil Armstrong pulled on Aldrin to make sure that he was first out the hatch. 
It must have been something. I I mean, it's got to be better than just look over there. It's a planet. I think there was a gentleman's agreement uh, between Armstrong and Buzz that one of the two of them would get to name a character from an animated movie some thirty years after the. Uh, it could have. It could. Toy Story could have been so different, Andy. It could have been, been. the story of Woody and Neil Lightyear. <laughs> <laughs> So does drama. They all have the nickname Buzz. That's what nobody knows. It was Buzz Aldrin, Buzz Armstrong, and Buzz Collins up there in the lunar in the lunar orbiter. He was the brave one. At least at least they at least they had a buddy down there on the moon. Michael Collins was alone orbiting, going, Oh yeah, it's Stark on the other side. Yeah. I, I God knows how how much he played the Nish Kumar card during that. <laughs> Only time. <laughs> Collins absolutely painted the walls of that landing module. Oh my gosh, this is not what this show is supposed to be about, me. Collins is the one that I've related to the most because he's clearly the one who was like, you know what, you're all right. <laughs> you know what, well, I've got, I've got to the moon. I've seen the moon. I'm not going to risk it. I've seen too many yeah. films. It, I think it's funny. I've said this before on stage, but I think it's funny that Neil that Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin are two of the most famous men who have ever lived, and Michael Collins isn't even the most famous Michael Collins. <laughs> <laughs> There's a movie, and it's called Michael Collins, and it's about a guy who never left Earth and died here. <laughs> so. uh, and interesting also, they, we, uh, you mentioned that the transcript from that, that Apollo 11 um, recently declassified. Also have the transcript from the Lost moon landings um uh, apollo 17 and no one knows the names of the people involved in that uh, without recourse to the internet or knowledge and uh, the the uh, the full transcript from uh, whoever it was is this another small step for a man not really much of a giant leap to be honest for humanity uh, anymore that's uh, no one's really paying attention the novelty's worn off a bit guys to be honest there is and please don't shoot the messenger for this call to do up here <laughs> to commemorate the 40, uh, 49th anniversary of the Apollo squad setting foot on the big round bastard in the sky as it was <laughs> formerly known <laughs> paving the way for almost five decades uh, of uh, of people looking at reflections and shadows of flags we are giving you the chance to be one of the next people on the moon with a special bugle moon landing competition whenever the next lunar expedition happens to qualify for an exclusive place as part of the next uh, moon landing crew, simply buy a ticket to one of this year's live bugle shows or my Edinburgh show, then train to become an astronaut and reach such a level of astronautical skill that you get chosen by whoever's firing humans at an empty lump of rock next time. And if you play an episode of the bugle on the moon, you will win a lifetime 5% discount off tickets to any live chat shows, celebrity tennis matches or guard of film launches that I do for the rest of my career. So uh, do send your uh, uh, entries into um, the Chinese Space Agency. I, I lost 100% of that sentence after the big round bastard in the sky. I that is the big round bastard in the sky. Zero information from that because in my head I was like, that's a great name for the moon. What do you, what does he call the sun? Does he refer to, does he refer to the, the big round bastard secretary general of the UN as Banky Big Round Bastard in the Sky? <laughs> The big round bastard in the sky is the least popular uh, Pink Floyd uh, outfit. (laughs) (laughs) Top story this week, and escaped American madman leaves trail of havoc. (laughs) Alex, thank you very much for sending your president to our... Yeah, thanks a f***ing lot, mate. uh, Do you know what? It was all me. Was it? Yeah. It was all me. It was totally me. 
I never thought I'd turn on the fu- on my cell phone when I woke up in the morning and say out loud to no one in particular, "Ugh, my president's such a goddamn idiot." <laughs> you just say it. Just say it all the all the time. It's just this light treason every single day. Some days less light than others. It's such a night. It's such an embarrassment that people people look at me with sympathy abroad. They just <laughs> people aren't even angry. They don't know how to feel. Yeah, the sympathy turned to anger uh, pretty quickly this week because Trump toured Europe in the same way that the aliens toured Earth in Independence Day (laughs) in that he left a trail of destruction in his wake, was welcomed by some misguided buffoons and despite it being over, there's a terrible sense that there's a sequel on the way and really the only people who were opposing it in any way were experts and black people. (laughs) (laughs) I have some sympathy for him sometimes because I'm like, look, I also don't understand these complex global political issues like NATO or or diplomacy with with Russia but then he's like I'm going to I'm going to handle this alone or off the top of my head and I'm like well I, my sympathy is very quickly turning to anger as you <laughs> would say no, I'm, so I'm upsetting I'm I missed quite a lot of it at, at the time because I was uh, well still working uh, at the uh, on cricket stuff and uh, preoccupied with my 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 day job or if the games end ends floodlit my day night job um <laughs> And I thought, what would I find on my return? What residue would the President's Europe jaunt have left behind? Well, as expected, it was very similar to the residue left behind when you leave a puppy alone in the back of an ambulance for three days with nothing but a never-ending <laughs> supply of sausages. It was messy. It was very... It was as messy as an obviously brilliant but patently fatigued footballer unable to stir an ageing, poorly structured national team for the World Cup whilst running on empty after more than a decade of top-level football, but nevertheless being curiously resigned to defeat. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, he, uh, he 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 turned up in the UK and uh, made some comments about Brexit, which suggested he has absolutely no idea what Brexit is. He said there was going to be a lot of turmoil in the UK, and then afterwards, when asked about it, he digressed into an answer that involved him erroneously claiming that he was the first Republican president to have won Wisconsin. And everything he said suggested that in his meeting with Theresa May, he was frantically in the advance of the meeting looking at the Wikipedia pages for Brexit, the United Kingdom, and Theresa May. And almost certainly opened his remarks by saying, Brexit is the impending withdrawal of the United Kingdom, brackets UK from the European Union. Theresa May, brackets born 1st of October 1956, is Prime Minister of the UK and is leading the Brexit strategy citation needed. <laughs> well, it's lucky you got the right Theresa May, otherwise that could have been a very different move. Um, it's been uh, uh, strange. I mean, Donald Trump, for anyone who's missed the show over the past 18 months, is... Uh, President of the United States and also subject of a 10-hour Discovery Channel special in their popular How the F*** Did That Happen series. Very much uh, the unwanted penis in the pickle jar of international (laughs) diplomacy and has once again fired a barrage of explosive turds into the pond of international politics, which is a delicate ecosystem at the best of times. And one thing I particularly enjoyed (laughs) was, and this was after he'd returned to America, um, talking about... uh, about NATO, basically suggesting that Montenegro, <laughs> a small country with a population of around about half a million, could start the Third World War. Uh, he uh, he said Montenegro is a tiny country with very strong people. They're very aggressive people. They may get aggressive. And congratulations, you're in World War Three. <laughs> um, now, hell of a greetings card from Moonpig.com. <laughs> <laughs> uh, to be fair, we we do have to understand all of 
what Trump does through the prism of domestic American politics. And, and, and I mean, it is a fact that Rust Belt America has been yearning, desperately and justifiably yearning, for someone to roll over and be tickled by a Russian president <laughs> on their behalf. Just someone to represent them by believing one of the world's foremost barefaced lies over his own secret services. Someone to wade into the Brexit debate with absolutely no grasp of the issues involved to help their everyday lives in Rust Belt America. To, on their behalf, slag off the Montenegrins because for too long, America's forgotten workers have had absolutely no one to gratuitously provoke small former constituent nations of the defunct Yugoslavia based on crude stereotypes probably picked up from an episode of 24. Surely now we will see an unstoppable boost in productivity in the factories of Michigan now that the disenfranchised labourers there have a president who will make people in the city of Podgorica stop whatever they're doing and saying what the f*** did he just say <laughs> yeah so the, a, quick, a sort of potted summary of what happened is he went to NATO and complained that the United States sent them too much money and then he came to Britain uh, gave an interview on the day of his first meeting with Theresa May where he said that he uh, her, her Brexit strategy would result in no trade deal from the United States remarks he was then forced to immediately walk back in the press conference that happened the next day and then like my one man recitation of Hamilton after seven pints at my cousin's <laughs> wedding things went from bad to worse because then he went to Russia and I mean Alex is is treason on the table in America? <laughs> I don't know if we know what it looks like anymore. If he said, I am part of Russia now, I am part of Russia, Putin tells me I am part of the Russian government, I still think there'd be a part of the country that was like, that's still better than Hillary Clinton. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what needs to happen. And it's, it's also, it feels like he will just agree with anyone who's in front of him because the Montenegro thing was he was doing an interview with, with Tucker Carlson whose name is a bow tie. Yeah. And uh, Charleston said, so let's say Montenegro, which joined last year as attacked, why should my son go to Montenegro to defend it from attack? And then Trump said, I have asked the same question. That's a question that Donald Trump has asked himself. Why should my son, um, Eric or Don Jr. Trump, go and defend the nation of Montenegro? He's really thought that to himself. That's something that he's... Which son would he send to defend the nation of Montenegro? <laughs> definitely, definitely, Eric. I wish whenever anyone mentions... Whenever he mentions a country like Montenegro, journalists should just have a map of the world in their back pocket and they pull it out and they go, point, point, point to it. No, that's Central America, Mr. President. Point to where you think Montenegro is. Go well, ahead. Well, that sort of compliant conversational style is of massive concern to American diplomats and, frankly, most of the rest of the world because he was on his own with Putin for a couple of hours with no other diplomats present. And the only other American in the room is a woman called Marina Gross, who was his translator. And uh, journalists have variously been trying to get hold of her notes from the meeting. But I assume everybody is trying to furiously figure out if they contain the words Mocha Video Cassetta, which... <laughs> According to Google Translate, is a Russian translation of the word urine videotape. <laughs> I, tr is that I what tried. I tried piss tape in Russian, and I, I now I think I now have to set my computer on fire. I always forget that I need to do private browsing before I start working on the bugle. <laughs> I think I, I, was, I would say I think I'm on some sort of CIA list, but I think I might be on there anyway. <laughs> 
it's another one of these classic days with the Trump presidency where just when you think you've reached the kind of apex, it turns out there was cloud cover and there is still yet more peak of stupidity for you to ascend. Because he's now saying that he's going to invite Putin to the White House. And that was news to a lot of people, including the director of national intelligence, Dan Coates, who found out during a Q&A with NBC. <laughs> and when he found out about it, Mr Coates said, according to the New York Times, OK, that's going to be special, before going on to say, if he had asked me how that ought to be conducted, I would have suggested a different way. But that's not my role. That's not my job. So it is what it is. Which is coded speak from the intelligence community that means, what the f*** are you doing, you stupid c***t? Did you see my favorite line you've left out of Coates's uh, of Coates's answer was he starts answering the question and then you cl he closes his eyes and you see something break and then he says say that again <laughs> <laughs> and the presenter tells him the NBC news presenter says what do you think of and he said and he you could see him want to ask if it's a hypothetical but also knowing that if he does he doesn't have a job tomorrow. <laughs> So I've mean, something to look forward to, yeah. isn't it? The uh, visit of little Mickey Micro Stalin to the White House. It's going uh, <laughs> to be sensational. Uh, the uh, ex-CIA big cheese, John Brennan. Um, Thank you for I mean, using his full title, Andrew. He, uh, so he was one of the ones that said, this is nothing short of treasonous. And I have not heard words as justifiably strong as that about anything since Mike Gatting's reverse sweep at <laughs> a crucial stage of the 1987 World Cup cricket final. Never forget. This is the hazard of bugling in the summer. Um, and it was interesting also that uh, there was a, a, um, a, f a former Republican, chair of a Republican con Congressional District Committee, quoted in The Guardian, saying that the idea that Trump would call the European Union a foe and would cotton up to dictators such as Putin and Kim, and this is the glorious bit of the, the quote, makes me feel like vomiting in my sleeve. <laughs> So this is such a profound feeling of repulsion from a Republican that he he will not he will not even be able to get as far as a bucket or a, or a toilet or even a, a basin. Sleeve is the only option. The only way I can get away is if he just vomits directly down his shirt. It's one of the most evocative images because it suggests a disgust so profound and surprising that he hasn't even had time to make it to the toilet. There's no bucket available. He's just going to go in his own shirt. This Burberry, the upmarket fashion label, has recently uh, destroyed its unsold clothes, accessories and perfumes um, by burning them. <laughs> They burned £28.6 million pounds worth of product last year, quotes, to protect the brand. Uh, the bonfire of the vanity products. Uh, why, why, why can these not... If we're only doing this section for you to deliver that joke, it was worth it. It was 100% worth it. That is as good as big, big bastard in the sky. <laughs> well, I mean, why can these not be handed on to the world's less fortunate people rather than yeah. being... Airdrops of 25-pound sticks of lipstick could make the Rohingya refugees feel a little <laughs> bit special in their times of strife, in the absence of any genuine international political giving of a shit. Well, surely a $120,000 limited edition alligator trench coat would be appreciated by a young Yemeni boy who's just been bombed out of his home. Put it to good use, Burberry. Burberry said they'd work with specialist companies who were able to harness the energy from the process, which is great news, actually. 
for uh, all of us who do not buy or wear Burberry <laughs> products, because that is basically every time we don't buy a Burberry product, that is improving the environment because they are making non-fossil fuel and any every time i do not spend 1150 pounds on a 1150 pound burberry rucksack i'm helping to create green energy i I can i can therefore also treat myself to whiz around the block in my diesel car for no reason that is a bargain and if everyone in the world stopped buying 1150 pound burberry rucksacks for him and 1590 pound burberry cashmere ponchos for her we could entirely replace coal and oil with rucksacks and cashmere ponchos as soon as the year 8290 if I'm, not sooner. I'm worried about the, you talking about this idea, Andy, because I feel like the next time we bugle, the top story will be Elon Musk announcing a Burberry clothes-powered car. <laughs> Brexit news now, and yeah, uh, it's still f***ing chaos. <laughs> As we head into the summer recess. That is the most. That is, aside from any time I've spoken to you after England have lost a cricket match, that is the most fed up I've heard you sound. Um, <laughs> would have been would have been so great if you're if one day you're just like Brexit, sorted. Didn't think it'd be, but uh, it's all set. <laughs> it's um. I mean, it's pretty much turning out exactly what we voted for, which was yep. you know unplanned mayhem. Yep. Um the highlight for, the, for this week, apart from a cheeky bit of parliamentary vote cheating, yep. they have this this system in the uh, uh, in our parliament where if you if you can't vote for whatever reason, if you're you know incapacitated through health reasons or geography, then you pair up with someone else from the other side who can't vote. Neither of you votes, and so your lack of votes cancels each other out. And this was happening with uh, Joe Swinson, a Liberal a Democrat MP who's just had a baby. I think is that right? Yeah. Let me just get the details. Yeah, she's on maternity leave. Uh, yeah. So this happened with Joe Swinson, a Liberal Democrat MP who is on maternity leave. <laughs> And uh, but the person she'd paired up with uh, did vote, and the uh, Tory chief whip uh, Julian Smith, who was, uh, was okay, uh, for American listeners, yes. we should probably clarify that chief whip is a position <laughs> in the British Parliament. Yeah, I mean it's the the whips. It's, it's not entirely clear. Uh, essentially, chief whip is a a, poli- a political term for school bully. Yeah, yeah, it is. The chief whips are their main responsibilities are to threaten MPs to quietly duff them up behind the toilet <laughs> yeah. and to steal their lunch money yeah. in order to get them to vote with the government uh, or you know with with the. I mean, quite why they need to exist in a mature democracy is one of the most baffling things in our politics. But anyway, anyway this this pairing did not happen, and the person that Joseph was paired with did vote, and he basically said, "Oops, it was just a little mistake." <laughs> I'm guessing this in this era of. I mean, it's not quite Trumpian level self. It's it's sort of, it is a sort of British well, remake of Trump. Chief... Like it sort of it involves stupidity and very very low level corruption. But it does seem like the chief whip was pressurising conservative MPs, or certainly this one particular conservative MP, to break the sort of agreement that exists within the House of Commons. And it is, as we often discover when it comes to the British legal system, the problem when you never write anything. The <laughs> down and you assume that things are going to get by on politeness and a chat over a tea. It's good to have a constitution that but, is essentially a hunch. <laughs> but this is <laughs> this is still backroom maneuvering though. Even yeah. though it's based in politeness, in the United States this would be a deal. Like <laughs> in the US this is a kind of political maneuver that gets its own song in Hamilton. Yeah. <laughs> and in the UK it's out in the open and the complaint here is basically, excuse me, we've had this 
backroom uh, deal that we that no one is supposed to really know about, and my trust has been violated. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and, and Chief Whip is also a position, uh, an important position in uh, Donald Trump's Moscow hotel. <laughs> <laughs> allegedly, allegedly, I can hear Chris's concern rising. Allegedly. Oh no, he 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 definitely got. Picked. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the other Brexit story of the week is, I mean, look, I've been pretty clear in my views on Brexit, um, but this is the first thing I think I've enjoyed. Um, like wholehearted this is the best brexit story so far the government uh, published a brexit white paper uh, which is the name that we give for the start of our sort of bills appropriately enough white is involved um it was uh, they produced it and it was translated into 22 languages only to receive according to uh, the inews website a hail of criticism and confusion from native speakers who notice strange obsolete or even made up words so they basically translated it into a number of different languages and for some reason, presumably they use Google Translate instead of an actual translator, but they managed to misspell the word German. <laughs> they misspelled the word German. Uh, in, in French, they translated, uh, they meant to say Brexit in principle, but they translated it as principled Brexit, meaning a moral Brexit, <laughs> which is the Brexit we may well end up with after all of this stuff is done. Um, and one, uh, one confused reader said that it gave the whole thing a mythic quality. Which, in many ways, is absolutely perfect. Totally bang that, on message. It wasn't a loss of translation at all. This is bang on message. Yeah. Uh, strange, obsolete and made-up words were used. Leave that to cricket, please. That is, <laughs> that is, that's my business. Um, it's a real googly, though, bold there, Andrew. <laughs> uh, I'm personally, I don't, Wait, how does... How does Google Translate not know how to turn German, the word German, into into Deutsch? I blame Google Translate for that. Well, I mean, yes. It has to be their fault. It's the same thing. You Didn't you use it just now to translate Russian P-tape? Yeah, but and we're still... got into a pretty good approximation. <laughs> we're still not 100% on the veracity of my Russian, Alex. <laughs> um, yeah, every, they, every single Bugle show I, I write, I put through Google Translate and back again. <laughs> And I have used a different language every week. This week, Peruvian. <laughs> is that a language? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> what I love with this is the Brexit process and the people in charge of it are so incompetent that three of us have just accepted as fact that they used Google Translate. <laughs> well, you know. Yeah, it doesn't seem anything any f***ing stupider than anything else they've done. What is fact? <laughs> um, I've got no problem with this because come 29th of March next year, 11pm, uh, when we leave the EU, we will not need to speak to anyone in any other language apart from British. And if you can't speak <laughs> British, that's your f***ing problem, world. It's not us misspelling European words. It's them using weird words when British words make perfect f***ing sense. <laughs> In rappers buying news websites news now, um, the uh, 1940s French crooner Chance Therapé has... I'm not too, too well up on the, on the rap scene. Uh, Andy, you're lacking consistency in your persona today. Right. Because you've already revealed your knowledge of the significance of the teardrop tattoo. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
So, uh, Alex, as our um, as our uh, hip hop and rap music correspondent, <laughs> yes, uh, I I am definitely the hip hop and rap music correspondent. Yep. It's me. Just talk, talk Hashtag us, it me. Talk us through this this very exciting um, uh, moment in uh, the crossover between uh, between rap music and local journalism. So, Chance the Rapper has had some issue with the press. And his response is distinctly Trumpian, which is that he's decided to buy a newspaper <laughs> that gave, uh, he got a bad review from MTV. And so he said, I'm going to now purchase my own news outlet. He's, Chicago, he's from Chicago and he's bought what's called the Chicagoist, which is very, very on brand so far. <laughs> and, uh. And he is, uh, no, no doubt, many other celebrities will be buying their own newspapers. But Chance the Rapper, who is changing his name to Chance the Rapper-Publisher, uh, will be uh, posting Chance-related news and many other, uh, other Chicago-related streams of content, including, um, including a focus on Social Work Chicago, which is an arts education nonprofit uh, based around the city's schools, which is interesting because, you know, not there are not many jobs left in print journalism, but Chance the Rapper has decided that he's going to transition from hip hop into the news business. <laughs> and uh, I'm sure many other, yeah, many other celebrities should follow suit. I um, mean, I can't believe so. Kanye is not now going to buy The Economist. Yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, there was a, it's a matter of time, People are not. It? People are not impressed by this. A lot of people have said, someone said, uh, and this is a bit of the, Chance says he's bought this in part uh, because of coded racism in the, uh, in the journalism industry. And uh, as if to prove his point, the, question, the person that the New York Times asked about, asked about this says, uh, Chance is young enough to make mistakes on his own. <laughs> so... <laughs> I, I guess mean, that proves the point. It's an interesting response to a bad review, isn't it? I mean, if I if I brought up every <laughs> media outlet that's given me a bad review, I'd make Rupert Murdoch look like a teenager writing a blog about apricots. <laughs> <laughs> um, and of course, it's not the first time that someone uh, in the in the music industry has bought uh, bought a media outlet. Of course, the 1980s New York crossover thrash band Stormtroopers of Death. They uh, owned and edited the Tunbridge Wells Courier for a while. <laughs> Causing controversy when they replaced the very popular This Week in the West Kent Crown Green Bowls League column with a somewhat provocative opinion piece by a ghostwriter under the pseudonym Infidel <laughs> Unaware, of course. Unaware, of course, that the town had a long serving Conservative MP under the same name in the 1920s and 30s, although that was, of course, pronounced Corster. And uh, reminiscent of when uh, George Formey briefly owned the Daily Telegraph, the uh, banjo-playing musical comedian and Lancastrian hat wearer was renowned, of course, for his hit song, When I'm Cleaning Windows, which was written while working as an undercover investigative journalist uh, for, for, for the graph. I think a lot of this sanctimony is just because Charles is black, because ultimately, what is more American than a rich man with no experience in journalism whatsoever buying a... F Newspaper. <laughs> Chance the Rapper is just Jeff Bezos with better beats. <laughs> Your emails. And this uh, came in from uh, Yorgo, who writes, uh, Hello, Andy. Uh, I'm writing from uh, Indiana over in the festering swamps of Trump-Sylvania. <laughs> um, having just watched England against Belgium, heroically avoiding the urge to reenact the current political situation by slamming goal after goal into their own net while smashing cleats first into their teammates' testicles and instead merely losing 
a respectable 2-0 match. I went back and listened to the 2014 Bugle World Cup podcast featuring Andy and defrocked bugler John the Apostate. <laughs> in it, Andy is asked who will be blamed for England's future defeat in the 2018 World Cup. He correctly predicted Raheem Sterling. <laughs> Now, while Raheem did not have uh, a singular glorious flame-out, as Andy had hinted he might, he did show a constant and infuriating need to dribble the ball past defenders, get deep into prime goal-scoring area, and then deflate the ball, sit on it, or wave an opposing player to lightly roll him off and continue playing the other direction. Being American, I don't have much experience shouting about English footballers, but as the tournament wore on, I found myself cursing Sterling with a <laughs> clockwork regularity as he swallowed the ball and held it up half-digested, only to have it kicked out from its, his gullet by an understandably testy crow. Croatian or Belgian. So presuming Andy's clairvoyance on all things sport related, what are his predictions for future World Cups, England football and Raheem Sterling's ability to, li- to deliver anything before it is narrowly too late? Um, well, I think there's a good chance that Sterling is going to you know, double scapegoat in, in 2022. He did seem to get blamed an awful lot, despite playing ostensibly reasonably well. Well, actually, yeah. But, I thought, I'm, I'm not sure that... Uh... I'm not sure that I was watching the same game as a lot of England fans. I thought Sterling played all right. Yeah. I mean, I guess the good... mistake he made was yeah. not to be the penalty taker and fluke goals off the back of his leg. Yeah, that yeah. Have, uh... I think right. he also made yeah, a. He was great. <laughs> he made a very significant mistake, and it really is a schoolboy error. Yeah. He did not have the foresight to be born a white man. Oh, so it's many... a real. Yes. It was a. Uh, I mean. If 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 he's shanked any open goal, is that one? Yeah. Um, a lot of uh, this. I mean, that is a bit rich coming from you, Nish. But, <laughs> I mean... We all make mistakes, Andy. <laughs> we all make mistakes. If only to be Nick Cooper. <laughs> uh, it was uh, so. Um, for those of you who've not caught up yet, France uh, France won the World Cup um, due to an uh, interesting combination of uh, high skill and extreme luck. Yeah, um, yeah. But classic. I thought they were the best team of the tournament. Yeah, that's not what it's about. <laughs> 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 um. I was delighted with two things in the final one I was delighted to see a team with as many black players as France have succeed in Russia and two I was delighted and then immediately terrified for the pussy riot protesters um, who got on the pitch because it has been a really good World Cup but uh, it's important to not forget that Russia is up to some f***ing nasty shit um, oh no it's important to forget that because <laughs> that's what sport is all about <laughs> I was like that. That that streaker is certainly smiling a lot for someone who's going to spend the rest of their lives in a gulag. Yeah. So I, I mean, I've not been so immediately terrified for a woman since Trump met the Queen. <laughs> but yeah, br- very brave of the pussy ride. Uh, just a quick other sporting news: the Open Golf Championship is on at Carnoustie this week. At the moment, as we speak, the Americans Chug Vomitain the third. <laughs> Flaxen Glabard and Popper Cuddles are leading the way at three under par. We'll have a full report from the end of the tournament when we're back <laughs> in August. So the Bugle summer break uh, is coming up. We will be uh, off duty, stroke on holiday for the next uh, three weeks, and then we will return with the live Bugle from Edinburgh uh, on August the 15th. There is another live Bugle on the 22nd, which will feature Nish. Alex, you're doing one of the ones in Edinburgh as well, aren't you? I am. 
I am. Thank you. Yes, I can't remember. Wh- I can't remember which one off the top of my head. Can the you? continued slick booking policy of Andy Zaltzman. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, do come along. Um, Alice Fraser's also doing the fifteenth. I think you're doing the fifteenth, Alex, but I, I can't remember off the top of my head. I think so too. I think I think as I think I am as well. Um, so do uh, do come along to that. Go and see Nish and Alex and Alice and Anurab and any other bugle co-host you can find in Edinburgh and uh, me if you want to as well. Uh, we will have uh, some bugle sub episodes over the next three weeks featuring absolute prime cuts from the archives stroke other forms of bullshit uh, thank you very much uh, for listening do keep your emails coming in to hello buglers at the bugle thank you for listening until the other side of summer goodbye bye hi it's producer chris from the bugle here Did you know that I have a new series of my podcast, Richie Firth Travel Hacker, out now? It's the show where Richie Firth and I talk about how to make travel better in our very special way. In this series, we discuss line bikes, Teslas, the London Overground, and a whole bunch of other random stuff that possibly involves wheels or tracks or engines of some variety. God, what a hot sell this is. I mean, you you must be so excited. Listen now.